stand-up comic joke it up one time. Funny. Andrea's like splaying out her pigtails. Do you call those pigtails? No. Yeah, handlebars. And handlebars. It's what they call them. They're not curly. Come huh? on. Ha- pigtails are curly. I mean, they don't have to be. You know? It just has to be too. Ponytail. I, I clearly don't know anything about hair. Pigtails. I mean, yeah. Pigtails, yeah. yeah. Sets. Sets. Today on Let's Talk About Sets. I actually want to like, I want to edit in news lasers right there. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about the science and craft of the vulgar art of stand-up comedy. And today, the theme is commitment. And our guest today is Andrea Allen. What's up, cucks? It's up, guys. <laughs> Is that how you start your podcast? <laughs> I don't. I've been saying that on stage recently a lot. That's very fun. Yeah. yeah. Let's get started with a bit by Doug Stanhope. It's called Keynesian Economic Theory as Applied to the Private Sector Independent Contracting. <laughs> If you want to feel bad for someone in a downturned economy, I'll give you someone. Prostitutes. Because a prostitute doesn't have that same worst-case scenario B plan that we all enjoy. No matter how shitty things are going for you on the job, Danny, if they lay off any more people, I'm going to be out on the street sucking dicks for a living. I got nothing else. I'm serious. Hooker doesn't have that same safety net. Hooker's already out there sucking dicks. There is a hooker chugging a cock, a fucking sour milk smelling cock behind a dumpster right now. And she's staring up at your office building thinking, they lay off any more people. More people going to be out here sucking dicks. It's going to be a buyer's market. More people out here sucking dicks. I'm going to have to start doing anal just to compete in the marketplace. (laughs) Woman my age shouldn't have to do anal. I ain't built right for it no more. I got to do exercises in the morning. I do squat for us trying to strengthen up up my shit shit pussy. (laughs) In case this whole thing go bust. Dead ceiling. I'm doing ass kegels every morning. You can't afford to get all loosey-goosey down in your ass pussy. In this economy, you get baggy in your shit pussy, you be tonguing ass for a living. That ain't proper work for no human being. You tongue ass, you got to get up early, sugar. Set your alarm clock. Get down to construction site before the boys in the orange vest show up. Wait for them. Take all the toilet paper out the Andy gum. Wait for them to take that gravelly good morning and Starbucks shit. You hear them scratching around on the fiberglass. You go, there ain't no toilet paper in there, sugar plum. But I clean you out real good. Wait for a human being oh make a living. Call that getting the blood diamond. Get in there, get the blood diamond. Where Amnesty International now? You, do anal, you gotta watch your diet. 
pocket. Can't eat no more gummy bears, no more licorice whips. Can't swallow your gum. No more canned cheese. Gotta eat Triscuit wafer. Get fiber in your diet. You gotta keep regular, princess. You're gonna have regular clientele. You're gonna be regular in your ass pussy. Can't get baggy in your shit pussy in a bad economy. This whole motherfucking economy built on a housing car. First of all, you gotta get this shit, get that Federal Reserve back on a gold standard. What the fuck is that? You got government printing off fiat currency. You're building a whole motherfucking uh, house of cards. It's a charade fiat currency. The consumer got to understand that the currency only have as much value as the consumer have faith in the currency. You got to back that shit up with precious metal. Fuck face. <laughs> fuck Keynesian economic philosophy. That's what I'm saying to you, Angela. Fuck Keynes and his philosophy. Dig up that dead Jew, Milton Friedman. He's a Nobel Peace Prize winner, motherfucking economic major. You dig up that dead Jew, ask Milton Friedman, dead Jew corpse, what he think about the economic crisis, and he will tell you, you better strengthen up your shit, pussy, baby. Is this whole economy's going down? Sometimes I carry a little baby carrot in my asshole when I walk the street and I just suckle on that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what makes you think that needs commitment? Not, I don't think <laughs> I mean, he goes a little like, you could go harder, Doug. Come on. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, why is he reeling back from shit pussy? Mm-hmm. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, getting nervous. The carrot suckle thing could use a little oh, bit more oomph. He's yeah. so amazingly disgusting. It's incredible. He's right. so good at being gross and doubling yeah, down. Yeah, I love it. And yeah. quadrupling down. Gross and smart at the same time. Right. He's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. He says really, 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 really smart things in the grossest way possible yeah and wh- why did you pick this this bit what about it exemplifies commitment and stand up to you he continues to step into the narrative deeper and deeper so first he's introducing the hookers which is like you know just sort of a narrative then he's going into the character of the hooker um and then he's building this all narrative of them having to eat ass in the porta potty like there's such richness to detail uh-huh. and the character of the hooker is so different he's a man right and yeah. he's playing this like crazy fucked up woman like colonel sanders sounding <laughs> he's getting more and more vile and he's not backing down at all like right. there's moments where he'll have laugh breaks and he'll then he'll go deeper he's yeah. not scared at all like this must have taken so long the keynesian economic like fiat currency all this stuff yeah. is like obviously took a lot of time and it's also interwoven with like a really really um Ra- rowdy character I, I you know I think he had to memorize things to do this and that alone is a lot of energy it, uh-huh. it's really funny that he's like he's saying all these disgusting things but it's in the tone of I'm trying to give you some life advice uh-huh. <laughs> I, I love that I think you gotta really string that be a shit pussy man. I, like, I think that's why he al- it allows himself he's not just saying gross things he's saying Gross things like, that kind of sound really of a, real. Of yeah. a washed up yeah. prostitute who's a victim of uh, the economic downturn yeah. and how they're the like she's in the worst position. She's like the and wise then, bottom bitch. Yeah, and she's, yeah. 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 he's, he's cre- creating that voice so well, and yeah. that's it's completely not his voice. Yeah. So it, that's incredible to me. 
I, when I listen to Doug Stanhope do his incredibly high commitment bits, which mm-hmm. are so often so gross uh-huh. and so far beyond the pale, I do think it does exemplify this is what commitment is for. Sure. Right? You don't need a high level of commitment to do... For observational basic comedy. Yeah, do your saltine bit. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not saying it doesn't require some commitment to try to pull people through and into that. It does. But if you do do a couple of one-liners... Um, not there's anything wrong with my love good one-liner. Mm-hmm. You do a few one-liners in a row. Nobody goes, man, wow, look at that commitment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> it's right. not necessary. Well, when yeah. you do something that is potentially going to rub people the wrong way, or you might lose an audience, lose audience members, if they sense that you don't fully stand behind it, you'll lose them immediately. Like in order to go into these this territory well, you have to be fully in it um, and seem as if you believe what you're saying and truly feel like it's important to say this to yeah. to back up saying crazy shit like this. The audience also has to commit to the bit and uh-huh. the comedian mm-hmm. itself. So like I've realized cause like the difference between like, you know, perfectly crafted one liner mm-hmm. that's just not like a Jesselnik, which I think is really leaning sure. to committing. Yeah. But like, you know, more like I saw a car pull into it, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, there's no tension being built in that. Mm-hmm. It's all like, oh, it's always going to be okay. Of course. And I think uh, when you commit this hard, it's it's just well-placed tension all around the bit. And mm-hmm. then it's just broken. And then I, I'm not sure what the... I'm so glad you almost got to a point. No, you're right. That was good. <laughs> it's building up trust, destroying it, building up it again, destroying yeah. it but being so in command the whole time that mm-hmm. they feel safe with what you. What do you mean by destroying that trust? So there's certain laugh breaks when he goes super set, like talking about uh, a gravelly Starbucks shit. He's talking about like eating someone else's shit. Yeah. So it's almost like they're like, okay, I'm okay with it being this gross. I'm okay with it. Oh my God. That's so crazy. Yeah. Right. yeah. And then, but they, they feel it's almost cathartic. Cause it's like, you just, you leveled up. And we all feel okay, but it feels really crazy. And then you keep going and then you level up and then it feels. So the trust is built when the laughter occurs. Yes. And then you break that trust by Mm. taking them one step further Uh into this committed bit where you know their sensibilities are going to be way off. Sure. Like, like really Mm -hmm. shaken. Yeah. Right. And Mm -hmm. so then you break, you, you erode the trust and Mm -hmm. then you bring them back again with the laughter. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I get what you're saying. I've noticed very recently when I do comedy, if there are uh, couples in the audience, the woman, because a lot of my bits are specific to female experience because I'm a female, the women will be laughing so hard, but they'll be covering their mouths because they're afraid that their male partner will see them laughing at my disgusting filth. Yes. But eventually I will have to break them. And to me, that's the biggest joy. I'll be like, come on come on (laughs) and I'll push it further and further. And eventually it's like a, it's a release for everybody. They they take their hands out from in front of their mouths. Sure. Yeah. It becomes like, this is so ridiculous that I've, it's almost like I'm a crazy animal so they can feel safe just knowing that that's what it is. And there is that that thing you talk about breaking. Like mm-hmm. I do think that commitment allows for you to break through. There's a breaking point mm-hmm. at which people will just go, this is so wrong or this is so ridiculous or this is so 
out there, absurd or whatever, they finally just go, oh my God. And they start laughing sure. mm-hmm. because there's the only other option is what? To try to take something seriously sure. that's just like, how could you? Yeah, you're like a train plowing forward at all costs and either <laughs> get on or die. Choo choo. Yeah. 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 I want to talk about what commitment is as. It's just a concept Mm -hmm. and then bring it back to stand up. So, and by the way, I love commitment as a concept. Mm -hmm. I love, love, I have, I have, (laughs) and I am very committed to my divorce. (laughs) (laughs) It was very hard to decide not to be married anymore (laughs) because I was very committed. (laughs) (laughs) And it was horrible. (laughs) Uh, And I'm very, uh, I just love commitment because I think that commitment is what makes anything hard possible. Commitment is the thing that pulls you through. There's you could either um, uh, whip yourself with an or else and be like, I have to do this or else, and do it out of fear of an alternative, mm-hmm. or you can be utterly committed to the goal. Sure. Uh-huh. And and I like with the word commitment has is both dedication to something. Mm-hmm. It also means a restriction of freedom. Mm. It means both those things. Yeah. And I think in the context of, of like, like I have another commitment, so I can't do the sure, thing sure. that you're talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, like I, I am committed to staying married to you for the rest of your life, whatever it is mm-hmm. in standup. When you're committed to your bit, mm-hmm. you're also restricted because you, you can't get out. You don't have the freedom no. to get out because of the commitment that you've made sure. to finish this bit. Mm-hmm. And so then you can find yourself in, a, in, if nobody's on board, oh, it, you're in hell. Woo. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I always tense up when a comedian, when an audience has been weird, and then a comedian has a bit where they like sing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if you, you can't just step out of the song. There are bits where it's like I have this like kind of mission statement set up as a premise, sure, and you can just shorten the bit if they're not like as on board as you'd want them uh-huh. to be, mm-hmm. and then you can kind of just deviate. But, like, when there's, like, a character that needs to say a lot of things or a song that needs to be sung or just, like, a a, – it it can get – It's horrible. It's horrible. Which is why – And funny. And so – situationally hilarious. It's so funny. Like, it's like watching bad improv. You're like, this could not be worse. Oh, yeah. That's when, when, like, you hear that weird laughter out of the back of the room. Uh Uh-huh. Like, this is going so bad, and I love it. It is interesting that improv comedy is the – like, the idea is we're coming up with everything as we go, Mm -hmm. yet it is the most restrictive when it's not going well. Yes. Like, you are done. You can't really talk to the audience. I used to go to bad improv shows and sit in the back and laugh Yeah, because I loved it. I think the cringeworthiness of of acting like a dog to a room of five disinterested people as like an adult man and just not doing well and watching the humiliation just like wash over their face. God, that's beautiful. To extend extend your metaphor of commitment being a train, you have to get on or die. Uh It's almost like what you just described is I really like to see a train derail into a village. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. (laughs) And I get to just watch and be like, wow, this was, this was a village. And now it's a train wreck. Sure. It's beautiful. (laughs) It's very funny. I think commitment is something that um, you don't need commitment for something that's already accepted as normal. Sure. At all. You, you need it to pull people in toward your vision, whatever that is, mm-hmm. whether it's singing, like what you said, yeah. or if it's just like uh, a story, you need sure. commitment for a story. If you have a viewpoint that's in any way subversive, if you don't have, 
have the balls to truly believe it on stage, then you're going down. Yeah. Uh Like you have to believe it, prove that you believe it, be funny enough to make people join you. You know? Or at least see why you thought why you do. Yeah, exactly. I love following you because mm-hmm. the room is wide open. <laughs> I, I love that about following you, or just going up after you've gone up in general. Sure. Because you've whatever the audience thought of you, if they loved you, if they were couldn't tell what was going on mm-hmm. with you, anything anyone says isn't gonna be that weird anymore. No, I'm usually the that. freakiest person in every lineup. Does it upset you when you see that comedian, that woman comedian who just takes off her clothes on stage? And you're like, fuck you. I oh, know. How dare you? <laughs> yes. Take my niche. So many people sent me photos of that woman when she was like out in the mic scene being like, there's another crazy out here. And yeah. I'm like, God damn it. Oh, that's so funny. You're like, how dare you attack my uniqueness? <laughs> yeah. She's stealing your essence. She really is. And I'm doing not much with it. No, I mean, she's horrible. But when I started, I was as committed as I am now with none of the tools of the trade. So I was just like a wild animal out there. And a lot of my <laughs> friends in comedy are were like, I thought you were crazy. I thought you were one of the open mm-hmm. mic crazies. Mm-hmm. Um, I never thought that you were. Really? No. That's good. I could see it. I had conversations with you. Sure. You were perfectly normal. I'm lucid. In, yeah, I'm perfectly yeah. normal. But like if you just see Maybe, me... I am Canadian. That is a point against me. Um, But, but I, I was so, I was also like in the midst of um, like going through getting sober and just a lot of like personal stuff. And I was airing it out through stand up and not really like having a lot of jokes. It's a tricky place to be. Yeah. But it's it's a growing place to be. Sure. I felt like I got really good at showing who I was immediately because I felt like I had no other choice. I didn't. The reason why I brought that up that I'd love following you is I was wondering when you're on a show Mm -hmm. and a booker puts you like early, Mm -hmm. aren't you kind of like, why did you do this to your show a little bit? It's better if I'm later. Yes and no. I'm much more reliable now than I used to be. I think because I have gotten better at like the craft of comedy. Um, So. uh, Changed. Just practice yeah. just practice and like what, i'm curious like what specifics would you say you shored up what specific weaknesses did you shore up to improve your overall the likelihood of you having a good set less leaning on theatricalness and more focusing on writing and i also i studied other comedians to understand like joke structure like how joke structure works and was like, okay, you want to make this outlandish point. You have to have the structure of a to, joke. Yeah, to make it. Under yeah. It. No one's going to be on your side if you're just a wild animal all the time. Uh-huh. Um, so that just took time mm-hmm. and, and practice. And so you'd come, you'd come back and you'd be like, okay, I did this bit. I mm-hmm. believe in this bit. And then you'd be like, okay, I don't know. I don't think the writing is there. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Or I'm too superfluous. Like I ramble too much. I had a lot of like uh, fat, you know, when people are like trim the fat, like I just like to get into semantics and, and stuff on stage. I write on stage. So it's easy for me to like derail and I had to restrict myself more. 
I remember when I first saw you doing like, like just kind of talking, uh-huh. like doing like kind of just like conversational stand up where you were very chill. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking like, oh, like Andrea went from in my eyes because mm-hmm. I hadn't seen you in a while. Mm-hmm. It was like to being like a character mm-hmm. almost on mm-hmm. stage mm-hmm. to just talking funny sure. and utilizing that ability you had to like yeah. go boisterous. I let the yeah. I let the animal out of the cage when it is most useful now. Before it was always like it was always just a crazy animal. Now it's more pointed to where it's like uh, peaks and valleys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To like well, when we we're listening to that Stanhope bit, like I will build a trust with them, and then I'll level up in a funny way, break it. Like you know, you kind of got to go in waves in a way. Um, and before, I think I was just like a tsunami constantly. It was like a big giant boulder Anarchy. being dropped into a pool. Yeah. As opposed to, let's start with some pebbles. Sure, sure. <laughs> let's skip some rocks for a second. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to answer your question, when people put me early in lineups, I mean, the worst situation uh, is to put me next to someone who's very quiet uh, because it's just jarring for audience members it's such a shift of style it's too much for them to like don't reset. you think though that um this is just part of it will pro i will posit or assert that this will probably be part of your development as you become more and more and more mm-hmm. skilled mm-hmm. to recognize when that ha- happens and mm-hmm. be able to switch it up and then gently lead people where yes. you want them to go as a, like i think that's we all have to like learn that. Of course. Right? You have to read the room. And then go, oh, okay, this person is too quiet. If I get on stage and I just jar the energy this hard. It's um, going to be a and, nightmare. And you'll, have, you'll be able to probably like switch it up and be like, here's my easier stuff. Here's my easier mm-hmm. stuff. Bah, sure. bah, 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 mm-hmm. And then ramp them up. Yeah. I, I, I actually feel like when we do your show, Late Night Romp, you sometimes, when I go up behind Alex, Alex Carbonios, who's very high energy, does a lot of voices, characters, he's, he's like a killer, mm-hmm. like he has this energy about him. And when I go up after him, I'm like, I'm going to be a little relaxed at least up top. Like, I'll just be sure. a chiller version of myself because I can't follow that energy. I can't be my high energy after his. Yeah. It's also like my material is usually very aggressive, so... Um, I do work better later in lineups, but I can also take bullet pretty well too. I want to ask you a little bit about commitment in the face of disapproval. Mm. Uh, like what, uh, which is clearly one of the things that you've worked through. Sure. I don't have a choice, but to be what I am on stage. Uh-huh. So anytime I've faced disapproval, I continue as what I am. And that's humiliating in a lot of ways. <laughs> How so? Well, so for example, um, I did a comedy competition at a, at a well-known club a few years back and I, the first round I did one of my more palatable bits and I moved along. And then the second round I was like, oh, I'm going to catch their attention by doing this bit about drinking cum. (laughs) And I used the word drinking in the thing. Uh And the minute I said it, I said, I've drank a lot of cum in my life. Like an aperitif. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. And I say, uh, cumulatively, probably a vaseful. And then I looked at the table of women in the front and all of their arms were crossed and they were all pissed. Like they did not like me. They, I had rubbed them in such a way that it was over for us. Like I was Uh like, I, this is not going to get any better. Were they with men? 
No. They were uh, just solo dolo. Just solo. Yeah. And they were. Very weird. Th- but it was a, a co- more corporate club. Like there's more tourists and stuff like that. And so I kind of like, I just continued being who, who I was, but I kind of like left my body is a very grandiose way of putting it, but it kind of feels that way because you're like, I'm not going to just go into different bits. I've already committed to this. I have to see this through to the end. Granted, I'm screaming about drinking cum right now and you all hate me. Situationally, it's hilarious, but it's painful. It's extremely painful, but it becomes less and less painful every time it happens. And then you sort of cross cross over into, I don't care anymore. You know, like I'm here to entertain you, but if you hate me, I don't care. And that's extremely freeing. Are there tips and tactics that you use to stay committed to a bit in the face of that level of disapproval? I will talk to the audience about what is happening and that will sometimes like break the fourth wall and sometimes I'll get them back. Uh Like if, if they hate me and, and I can tell sometimes I'll be like, this is a fucking nightmare. And then again, they'll feel relief because called the room. Self-awareness. Yeah. yeah, because yeah. I you have to be self-aware and I'm not going to weaken in terms of saying like, oh, how about another bit or or or, or say like, that's all I want to do for the night. You know, some people leave stage when that happens. For me, I'm like, let's try to save it by acknowledging it or let's just keep going and burn this place to the ground because who cares? It's I feel like you have to just know that no set means anything in the grand scheme of things. People assign such meaning and they, when they have like opportunities or sets that are important, it makes you more nervous. But until you realize that it doesn't really matter. Let's say you're on a show Mm -hmm. and um, you notice that it's going, it's not going your way Mm -hmm. and you've tried a few things and it's not, and then you make that choice to burn it to the ground Mm -hmm. and you walk a bunch of people Mm -hmm. and you've got four more comedians after you. Do, do, do you know what I'm, you know what I'm getting sure, at? Sure, sure. Like what is, what's your, what's your take on that? Uh, I don't walk, I don't walk people. I mean, I have walked people. We've all walked people. I try not to do that if I'm, You're I'm not saying, I think sabotaging. That, I'm not sabotaging. Yeah. But the burn it to the ground is definitely sabotaging. It's like, well. And, to, I'm, and, and I'm not, this is not a criticism. Sure. I'm just genuinely asking for your perspective on it. To me, if it's gotten to a point that it's that bad, uh-huh. then there is no other way. You know, like I can't. I can't reel back. I don't have the capacity and we're already here. Like to sort of try to like put your tail between your legs and try to say, they'll hate you more. Or if you start pandering. Yeah. They'll sense the weakness and it'll go even ickier. Like it's about consistency. And it's like, if that happens, then it happens and it's a bummer, but I won't, I'm not going to like change who I am or the direction of the set. Because it's happening. I'm sensing that's something that follows you in every avenue of your life. Oh, would, yeah. Yes. Yes. Like, this is bedrock Andrea. Sure. Someone said, my friend, Hamda, uh, said to me, she's like, you find it almost impossible to, when you see something, not say exactly what you think about it right away. Like, I have very little. I'm not, I'm not like a rude person. I'm not like going out of my way to (laughs) call people out or, or whatever. But if I see something that's very obvious, someone that's doing something a certain way, I can't 
hold back. I get in trouble for it, but I also like I have a very small group of friends. Um, and well, the John Lennon quote, like saying what you think won't get you a lot of friends, but it will get you the right ones. Of it's course, to that effect, the and peop- it's like perfect. The yeah. people close to me know exactly who I am, and I'm I'm honest to a fault with people, and that's hard. But uh, being a fake fuck is yeah. like so totally. Ugh, spineless to me. Do you think your ability to commit and your like relentlessness to that is mm-hmm. tied to the fact that before you started comedy, you were working in an industry that like really like was so tight around your like neck in terms of what you had to do, sure, the pressures of it, Fashion. so like your freedom mm-hmm. in comedy, you were like, I'm ready to express my freedom immediately. Oh yeah, you think that helped? I think it's no accident that I used to be in fashion, which is also a high stakes, high ego, huge demands, extremely risky industry. What we do is is important. Like that's a kind of <laughs> totally, vibe that totally. That. There's yeah. like this moral. There's like morality assigned to it almost. And same with comedy, people view it as like a calling. So I'm attracted to things like that. But yes, when I was working in fashion, I was working like nine to nine and then going out at night and just like losing myself in comedy because it was my only relief. And it's the only time I feel I've been thinking about it a a while. The only time I feel like no pain is when I'm on stage. And that's so douchey to say, Um, but it's like, it's euphoric for me. It's the only time I feel relief from myself. So um, there are no examples of transcendent comedians that don't commit hard. Of course. There's just none. There, and, none of the greats don't do it. It's such a common thing in the stand-up comedy community to be scared to lean in mm-hmm. to commitment and, and of, of who you are and yeah. what you believe. I was actually talking when Sam Evans recorded this podcast. Mm-hmm. We went out for a cigarette, like I guess before – and we were talking about comics we liked, and he mentioned you as like one of. Uh, he was like, he was like, yeah, Andrea's just like fucking being Andrea oh, from like, start to finish. I'm yeah, just it's being like, Miley. He's so he's a hilarious. Oh, dude. He's I super love sweet. him. That's amazing. That makes but, me feel so good. And he was just like, you know what? He was. I I think we talked about it. it was like starting as you is the best thing you could do. It's just sure. like you are you up top. Well, it's just it's interesting that that's so hard for so many people. Or it's it's I've almost seen it. Not there'd be like a negative reaction mm. to someone committing super hard mm. at it, it, if you're just like doing mics and bar shows and like occasional club sure. shows, like certain comics getting kind of like upset with someone being really like themselves mm-hmm. on stage very like unapologetically not to say they're being offensive or anything and that's why they're getting mm-hmm. uh, the they're not reaction. doing that sort of practiced reserve yeah that yeah. detachment mm-hmm. yeah i find like especially in brooklyn right now i have got gripes with the brooklyn comedy scene sure. um but i <laughs> i also love it yeah. I, I bounce around all the scenes. I'm yeah. in Queens. I, I am in the city in Brooklyn. I love them all. They all have so they're different and they have a lot to offer. Um, that being said within Brooklyn, particularly, I see a lot of here's my opinion that you all agree with. And I know already. Um, and, and it's just like, that's, 
I don't know who you are because you're all bleeding into one another as like generic hipster with social justice approved opinions. Don't need again. You don't need commitment in the face of no disapproval. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> There's no breaking point there. There's no. I I think um, when you talk about the greats, uh, committing to your voice um, means like kind of like ripping your chest open on stage Um, and you're going to show things about yourself that you don't like or people might not like. Uh And I think people are really afraid of that. I don't think people want to be the villain or... Well, that's vulnerability right there. Yes. Right? That's vulnerability. Commitment takes vulnerability Mm -hmm. and it takes work. Yes. Energy. Yes. It's so exhausting. And exhilarating when you like when I connect with audiences, it feels like I'm on drugs. Yeah. Um, and when I kill, it feels like I am snorting cocaine and taking heroin and drinking bottles of booze and fucking like every. Yeah. My entire brain is lit up like crazy. We know. (laughs) You can see it on my face. I'm like a fucking animal up there. Yeah. People don't like to be unliked. But I've always, uh, I've always just been who I am my whole life, and I've been used to people reacting in strange ways to me. So this is just like another chapter of that, you know. Yeah. I really am just being I Miley. Like, I, I like, I like that your, I like your level of acceptance with that. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I could to do that. The pull, the desire to be liked, is so over fucking whelming. Yeah, like, but I and I really admire the sort of acceptance of like, you know what? And I actually like write to myself every morning. Like I'm, I'm the kind of guy that is free from the stress of others' opinions. Mm-hmm. And it's not true, but it's, it, it, <laughs> sure. it is a reprogramming that it will probably take a, like decades yeah. to, to get to that point. It's hard to shed that need to be like, of yeah. course. And, and I'm not saying that I don't care about anyone's opinion. Of course I, I do, but um, not at the cost of changing my act. Like sometimes you care about Miley's opinion. Yeah. Yes, only yeah. hers <laughs> with that tongue out and her ass in the air. Uh, I love her. Yeah. Uh, there's no mistaking what she is. Yeah. You know? Um, so it's not that I, I think that to develop a true voice, you do have to commit and fail also and yeah. understand and, and be in a room where people don't like you. Um, and that's just something that has to happen. I don't have to work at being in a room. It's a strong suit. Sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, I, 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 I feel like this exists in comedy. I feel like in the youthful, like the first two, three years of stand up, mm-hmm. a, a big misconception when people like want to be liked and aren't committing to being who they are mm-hmm. is they think the way I'll be liked is if I shit on myself and make myself mm-hmm. seem like I'm a loser. Mm-hmm. Not to say. I love shitting on myself and I love stand up about shitting on myself, Mm -hmm. but there's so many ways. It's like, you don't just have to be the bitch of the crowd. Sure. And I don't think that you think that about yourself. Like people will be like, they'll be like, there's this really handsome comic. I'm so sorry. There's another one, Harrison. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, 
and he was you doing fuck a with his bit... self-image of being comedy hot. Uh huh. <laughs> regular cute. I'm comedy hot. Uh, he was doing a bit about not getting laid, and he was like, based on how I look and blah blah blah, I don't get laid a lot. And I like pulled him aside, and I was like, the reason why that bit is not landing is because you are hot, and everyone can see you. And I'm not trying to be a creep, but you know what you're saying is not true. I know you're afraid they won't like you if you admit that you're attractive. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But sorry, People like you a lot less being inauthentic. Sure, exactly. Yeah. That's that's a huge part too. Is that in on like being pandery is so not authentic, and people smell it like blood in the water if you don't believe what you're saying. What is uncommitted comedy? I think it is stealing voices that you see around you and trying them on for yourself. And I see that a lot. They say within your first year, you're doing impressions of your favorite comedians. Sure. And I think that a lot of people continue that pattern. Some people are, are fantastic joke writers, but they never really like show who they are on stage. Um, and I think that you can only get so... I think you'll be a writer for the rest of your career if you do that. You're great at writing for other people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can yeah. absorb voice. Nothing wrong with that. No, but not at just, all. Yeah. I almost wish. What a yeah, lovely yeah, existence. Yeah, yeah. How much easier yeah. is that? But when I think about like the heel turn it takes to be authentic, I think about Louie. I don't know if you guys have seen Louie's earlier sets before he became like the mega star, but yeah. he was kind of absurdist. Yes. He was very bizarre, funny, but like... I have a peach! Yeah, yeah, yeah. strange. <laughs> and I heard an interview with Mare and he was talking about when he had his kids and he realized like he had to attain a certain level of success to provide for them. And then he just started being like really who he was. And I heard for a while people did not like it. People were like, what the fuck is this? But he just kept going and going and going. And I feel like there's a certain amount of like pain and work you have to do to like, to reach your most authentic self. And most people don't want to do that. And that's that, that is, that is commitment. Mm -hmm. I mean, commitment is, what builds pyramids? Yes, <laughs> somebody was committed to that idea yeah. <laughs> to an insane so, degree. So yeah, right. I, I mean, I f- go out every night and scream <laughs> and f- work on. And bits. sometimes you do stand up too. Yes. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> You're such a fucking cunt. <laughs> really are. Uh, it's unbelievable. I feel understood. <laughs> yeah. Oh, believe me, I know who you are. <laughs> Um, down. But but it can be, and when it doesn't go well and you have to keep going, it's like, oh, it's like you're walking through mud. But the rewards are, I feel, far greater if you keep going. <laughs> or we'll see. I, if I'm crazy on the streets in 20 years, then I failed. I, I think a very fun thing to commit to, I don't know, you can utilize this if you if you find mm. you can use this in your act thank you yeah. so much you know, yeah. bit for you oh my god <laughs> no, but this is a fun angle to do when it's not going well uh-huh. i realized because we're we're both pretty emphatic mm-hmm. actually you're everyone here is just very like unconventional in mm-hmm. terms of being a bunch of weirdos comedian. yeah we're mm-hmm. very weird mm-hmm. turn on them mm-hmm and get mad at them that you didn't they, sure. they you, we aren't having a good time tim dylan does that I love mm-hmm. Tim Dillon. It's oh, the best. Tim, if you're listening, dude, I want you. I want Tim to talk D- to you so Tim Dillon does that with hipster crap. So, ugh, one of my least favorite places to perform is Williamsburg uh-huh. uh, because there's a certain fear there that if if something is becoming politically incorrect, yeah. they start to be like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Yeah. 
Um, and when that happens, the punishing them for it actually works out. I've learned, yeah. it, it, you know, just like everybody relax. Like uh, Tom Segura has a bit about uh, yelling like a black person. Uh-huh. Yes. And there's this like freak out zone. Everyone's asshole tightens and he goes, stop being weird and white. You know what I'm talking about? And then there's a release. Yeah. Right? Um, so you have, but again, you have to have strength. You had a quote from Jerry Seinfeld that you were talking about. Yes. Um, it's something I heard early on. I studied so many comedians when I started um, to understand this magical beast that is stand-up comedy. And he said it perfectly. He said, everyone's afraid before a stand-up show. The audience is afraid. Like On an individual level, they're worried if they'll have a good time. They're with their date or whatever. They'll worry if that's going okay. The worries of their day is sort of carried with them. Like Everyone just wants it to work out. And then on the flip side, the comedian is thinking about how their set's going to go. What are the other comedians in the lineup? Like who, Who's this person? What am I to them? There's this sense of like, I really hope this goes well or something really bad could happen. So when a comedian goes on stage and is confident and just commanding, everyone feels a relief like, oh, it's going to be okay now. This guy knows what's happening. He's going to do a good job. Like it almost like anesthetizes. Uh Is that the correct pronunciation? The room. People want to feel like you're in control, and that gives them relief. Right. That that, that the the classic analogy is the uh, the pilot of the plane. If you saw the pilot go in to the cockpit, like, oh boy, oh yeah. god, yeah. I don't know about this today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like everybody, like, I don't want to. I'm, I'm good. I can wait. Yeah, yeah, is there yeah. another clicking flight? That's, isn't that a Cosby quote? I don't know. I think it's like many, many you don't want the pilot. To get on the intercom and be like, I'm going to try to land the plane. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, I've heard it many different comedians yeah. use There's that even, there's use. comedians who are like, quote unquote, like bumbling, falling apart messes. Louis used to be, Louis was that too. Yeah. But they're, they're not messes though. It's like everything's intentional. Everything that's being presented to you right now is very, very pointed. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm taking on this journey and I'm going to, you will feel relief and, th- and that's the thing like there's they're they're committed to whatever it is they're doing yes it doesn't have to be outlandish Mm-mm. it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. over the top right yeah. it doesn't yeah. have to be l- loud sure it's, it could be like your mitch hedberg example where yeah, disassociative but still it's yeah. very much him it's, it's like yeah. right he thinks of these things i know he does mm-hmm. right it's, you have a sense you know him speaking of hedberg actually there's a story berbiglia has he used to open for mitch hedberg mm-hmm. And then Mitch was like, oh, man, I got a pee right now. Can someone get on stage and tell some jokes? <laughs> and then left the stage and Mike came up and just like everyone just started laughing at the absurdity that he has to take a piss break on his like headliner set of this club. He doesn't give a fuck. But, and it's like that's literally decommitting to doing comedy because you're leaving to pee. But like that's perfectly him. Yeah, that's exactly like he could do that. Mm hmm. His mm-hmm. his persona is chill enough and on heroin enough that he would be one mind <laughs> yeah. doing a pee pee break. But you know who uh, they are at their core almost yes. instantly. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything that you do ritualistically before you get on stage to prepare yourself when you're going to go large? Mm, 
have a panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> um, you put the you, you put the coal of panic in the in the in the boiler. Of, uh-huh. Wait, <laughs> in the boiler of my pussy. Yeah. Wait, but you you said the thing about the fear, like they can sense the fear on you. Yeah. Do, do you feel like that panic attack is more of like? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't really panic. An anxiety I was, orgasm. I, yeah, <laughs> I will watch and focus intently on the comedian before me because that kind of zends me out. Gets you out of your head. Yeah, like yeah. I watch them. I see one of my worst instances of this is I was watching Yamanika Saunders uh-huh. on a show. The best. Yeah, she commits hard. Oh yeah, and they hated her. Really? They, wow. hate, they hated her. I've never seen um, that happen. The, sure. It was a club show. Um, and I was like, fuck, if they hate her, uh, <laughs> they are going to hate ah, me because yeah, she's a better, more experienced like comedian doing, not, do. not saying that our acts, our acts are, you know, similar and they're raunchy Your and loud and similar, unapologetic, whatever. Yeah. She has much more skill set. She's better than I am. And they're, they're not, swallowing that kool-aid so now i'm gonna go up and 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 i didn't do well it was actually better than i expected but i study the room and i study the other comics to try to gauge where to like hit them Uh i don't need to amp myself up to go big maybe in the beginning a little bit i used to have to i used to drink too like i used to in the beginning of doing standby i would drink and i would drink before i went on stage to gain that confidence you know and and i think Definitely, like drugs and alcohol are a great way to manage uh, your emotions. Sure, it's perfect. It totally works out. Yeah, totally yeah. works out. Being a sober person, you have to like kind of raw dog the world all the time. Um, so the the only time I need to like pump myself up is if it's like a high stakes show. I might like go to a quiet place. I'll show up earlier and like sit in a corner by myself for a minute and just like stare off into the abyss. Drew Morgan gave me something to, he was saying like, if you're feeling like a little, it didn't even need to be stressed. It's just mm-hmm. like, you're feeling not ready to perform stand up at the level you want to. Uh-huh. He's like, I go somewhere where no one's looking and I just, I just jerk do off. like a power flex. And he was just saying, he like Which goes, is, that's hit, That's Southern for jerk off. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And he just <laughs> says, he like goes and I'm like, and who's just, got big biceps? It gets him so really hard. big. Yeah. It gives him energy. Sure. And I tried it and it works, but I was like, this is a very embarrassing way to of set course. myself up. Yeah. Because what if the audience is like, why is that guy doing like, why is he flexing doing his triceps? Chin ups. This guy won't be funny. Well, <laughs> I, I, the way that I dress is actually, um, a huge part of what gives me Furry the confidence. Coats. Yeah. Um, on, I feel as if it's like an armor against audience members and it prepares them for what Can I will describe be. how you dress. So people don't know. yeah, of course, everyone doesn't know my <laughs> outfits. I dress in ways that are maybe a little bit outlandish. I usually am wearing tiny shirts and leather pants and big fur coats. Um, Dalmatians typically. Sure, exactly. Yeah, I'm a little Corella looking, but it it like gives them the heads up that this is going to be a little bit intense. Uh-huh. And it sort of makes me feel like I'm stepping into an alter ego a little bit. And most women are self-conscious of their bodies on stage because people are always judging. People are judging everyone's bodies, but women's bodies specifically. So the fur coats allow me to move around with the freedom that I want, knowing that they can't see my body underneath the coat. So that's a big thing for me. Looking a certain way 
gives me a certain level of confidence and it expresses to them who I am before I even open my mouth. And that makes me feel safe. Got it. So it's like you put on a grizzly bear. Yes. Like skin. Sure. And then you're like, I feel free. Yes. It's like I killed this animal. And now (laughs) you're going to see the true terror. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Let's talk about sex. Let's take this moment to introduce our guest. Hello. Andrea Allen is a stand-up comedian and a wonderful podcaster based in New York. You've been in the New York Comedy Festival, right? Yes. Written up an Intero Bang. That's a major... A porn site. It's a, it's a, it's a major <laughs> porn like site that, that comedians <laughs> use. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, it's mostly just like comedians getting tied up and humiliated. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a it, it's a it's a comedy publication mm-hmm. that only we care about, mm-hmm. <laughs> and comedy nerds as well. Sure. Uh, also featured in the March Madness stand up competition held at Caroline's, and then you've been on a bunch of different podcasts too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Used to be in the fashion industry, which we covered. Yep. And now this is full time, right? Yes. I quit my job in fashion about a year ago. And I sustain myself off of podcasting and comedy and I had a little savings. So I'm just like, uh, I'm just out there doing it, baby. Yeah. Being poor as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Loving Being it. Being poor as fuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> talk, talk to me a little bit about your, about your podcast. So my podcast is, um, I started it with another female comedian, I want to say three years ago, something like that. And the premise is, why are you a hot mess? We had started doing comedy together and we started to interact with people who were way beyond the norm of society. And also we were both dealing with, I had just gotten sober at the beginning of the podcast and she was sort of balls deep in recovering from an eating disorder. And we were both kind of just like human gelatin, just walking around being like, I'm dying. (laughs) And so we were like, I have this image of like some of the monsters Inc. Yeah, totally. (laughs) That's how I felt. Um, But I know that those, those two problems are not unique. So we wanted to make a podcast where people spoke openly about what they were going through. Also have it be funny. I mean, I think it's just kind of like allowing people to see inside what it's like to hang out with, comedians because we're all very open and honest about what we feel and what's happening so that show has been going on for a while and i really love it and it's part of abc yes so abc has a podcasting network called og hilarious name and we joined them in january of this year and that's been awesome super supportive and yeah it, it helps me I like podcasting in tangent with doing stand-up. I feel like they're complementary skill sets, and it also like allows you to hang out with comedians all the time, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. It helps you kind of develop like sketch in a way. Like we, you know, you you have to write your intros, you have to plan. You guys know this. Like <laughs> it's a totally different skill set, um, but it also makes you stronger and more organized and like better at what you do overall. So I love it. I actually enjoy the surprise when people like come to do this podcast, the level of surprise where they're just like, there's like, Oh, this is, Oh, you, you have like a, Oh, you you give a a fuck. (laughs) Yes. It's called commitment. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, honestly, sometime like 
people will come to our show. People will ask to be on our show, Harrison, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and oh, come on. It's okay. I just like getting mad at you so much for this Harrison canceled day of. But anyways, um, <laughs> but this is not about Harrison. There's we other guests. The money. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm not actually mad at all. I just yeah, yeah. like throwing you under no, the I bus. Know, I know. Um, but there, there are some people who will ask to be on our show, come on, and we'll be like, so why are you a hot mess? And they'll be like, what? And I'll be like, you didn't, you didn't, you, didn't, you didn't read, didn't read any of it. I, it's, it's amazing yeah. to me. And, yeah. and some people, if people are at a higher level, like a big guest, yeah. Yeah. um, where they're like doing us a favor, quote unquote, by being there, I'm yeah. less angry of course, because it's like, that's great that you're even coming and spending your time with me. And also you're talented and funny enough to just like immediately play ball. But there are some people on, on my level our level who will have the balls to ask to be on and then not know. And I'll be like, is this what you do yeah. in your life? And, and to, what? To, to, the, the thing that blows me away, the one that's really funny to me is, so I have like an onboarding email. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, part of beautiful. My commitment to <laughs> yeah. making it clear and what the expectations are and under, so you understand what we're doing. And and I'll, I'll basically get this attitude of too long, didn't read. And mm-hmm. I'm like, but you're about to get on a train to, for an hour. Yeah. You can't. You, yeah. <laughs> no, it's you, such- you can't read. Like like a page, the gall, yeah, the gall of it is is unbelievable. But it, it it's it is everywhere, and yeah. so I just you but, know. But I'm glad I flipped completely over, and mm-hmm. now I'm just like, oh, this is a competitive advantage. Sure, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas I used to be irritated. Now I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, fuck yeah! Like I will do whatever it takes, and <laughs> it'll be better for the listener. You can tell when when people have a well run podcast, they. They have like an agenda. They stick to something. Uh, you know, the hosts have good chemistry and they're able to carry it. Like the the work that you put down makes a difference over time. There's there's people who are like, me and my friends are just funny and we're just going to be funny on mic. And it's like good fucking luck with that. Yeah. Your podcast will go nowhere and you will give up and Bye. Yeah. Get out of my medium. Which is it's just so sad because there's just so few podcasts. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh God, I hope you all die. Please. Is there a tip or some uh, advice that you heard uh, or you were told and just they had this perspective on comedy and ever since then you've looked at stand up differently and approached it differently? Sure. The comedian Shaq Stanley. I love Shaq. Um, yes. Yeah. Love Shaq. Love Shaq. Um, <laughs> he <laughs> mentored me for a time, and he actually was around for one of my most horrific bombs. Mm. I bombed at a naked roast battle. Oh. <laughs> it was during Skankfest a few years back. Define real quick what, what Skankfest is for people oh, who don't Oh, Skankfest is the podcast Legion of Skanks holds a comedy festival every year. Their fans come out in droves and they'll have like live podcasts. They'll do roast battles. It's kind of like everything in their world of comedy that they do. They come together. Big J. Okerson's podcast. Sure. Yes. If you, if yes. Yeah. Yep. Big J. Okerson. Um, Ari Shafir, right? He Ari Shafir, yeah. Ari Shafir was on the dais, actually. Okay. So oh. you're, you're doing this naked roast. I'm doing this naked roast battle. I know Ari. Zach Amico was the host. I knew a lot of the guys. I felt comfortable. I had this sense of safety that I was like, I'm fucking hot and I'm naked. And I have confidence. And like, I just didn't really write. I wrote the day of, uh-huh. and I and I lost to Billy Presida. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about 
how much being naked was going to alter my confidence. And I didn't think about all these powerful, Mike Lawrence was on the dais too. There was like really good comedians. Were they all naked? Yes. Standing behind me. Wow. Just ripping me apart for how badly I was doing. Oh my God. It was packed. It was so, at one point I was bombing. I was like stuttering. Oh, I was so scared. My heart is yeah. like breaking. I, yeah, it was yeah. so bad. I've yeah. never been so scared on stage because I didn't have the writing to back it up. I was really just fucking confident in a way that I did not have the balls to be. Yeah. Um, the word's arrogance, I think. Yes. Oh, totally. <laughs> and my arrogance can help me sometimes, but at this point, and so I just eat shit. I lose. There's this point where like, Billy Presida is like yelling into my vagina, like on stage. I look out and like Michael Che is watching it, just like uh, wincing, like this is horrible. And I was like, this is cool. This is humiliation and pain and ego death in a way that I have never even gotten close to. Yeah. So afterwards, Shaq and my friend Emily, my, the co-host of my podcast, they took me to a diner. I was like pale and just like staring a lot, yeah. like into space. Oh. Yeah, and like they just whisper into your vagina. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're gonna be okay, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey there. Oh, d- d- open back up. Just listen. To what oh you have to say. God, it was so our favorite pussy. So so horrible. You know when you bomb and no one wants to like talk to you because yeah. they don't want to get the bomb on them. It's bomb like right. you're like <laughs> yeah. a leper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I saw like people I knew, and they're all like, "You, you look great," and I'm like, "Oh <laughs> God!" Like it was so bad. Anyway, so we were sitting in the diner, and Shaq was like, "Let the pain motivate you to to always work hard. Like whenever you're feeling lazy, remember that pain. Uh, remember the failing in front of everybody." And Struggle. and work so hard so that that doesn't happen. Like it's and it wasn't so much like let the fear drive you in like a negative way. It was just like let it propel you to protect yourself from ever having to experience that again. In in psychology, they call that sublimation. Oh where, yeah, where you 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 take the pain of an experience. And mm-hmm. You can't just feel better about that experience, mm-hmm. but you can use that negative energy to motivate you to do something I'll, else that's yeah, positive. Yeah, I'll life. never right. be unprepared like that again. Right, I will do another roast battle, or I will I will exceed people's expectations again. When you commit, you do feel rejection, and so giving me that tool to be like feel the rejection, understand it, and have it motivate you to be better, to become like undeniable in a mm-hmm. sense. Like that's a thing we talk about a lot. I think in comedy is like you get to a certain point where you're so funny that people can no longer ignore you. Mm-hmm. And there has to be kind of an insane drive to get there. Awesome. And and letting the fuel of rejection help you is it's a way to do it. It's yeah. been very helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah. One way to renew your commitment, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hey, sorry for the recent gap between episodes. And thank you for all the love, everyone. Those messages and those thanks, they don't get old. And specifically, Patreon sponsors, we love you right back. You know who you are. I've reached out to you. No one owes us anything, but if our show has helped you or it's entertained you and you want to show gratitude financially, we will take it. You can do that through a monthly Patreon sponsorship. That's patreon.com forward slash let's talk about sets. Or for a one-time contribution, you can just Venmo us directly. My username is just Jeff McBride. And this is all in the show notes. Also, 
an overwhelming thank you to our executive producer, Bobby Jean Misick. She did the first edit on this episode and saved me hours of work. Thank you so much. Come on. Let's talk about sex. Up next is... Andrea Allen at the platform. This is February of this year, right? Mm-hmm. Anything you want to say before we play this? No. Okay. Let it rip, baby. Let's do it. Mm. I'm an aggressive, crazy, uh, gigantic white woman. <laughs> Huge. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes men are a little bit intimidated by my height. So I like to break the ice. Um, I like to pick men up. <laughs> I come up behind them. <laughs> She's grabbing the mic. <laughs> Hugging it together. I'm gonna fuck you now. I'm gonna fuck you with my giant woman collar. Because I'm bigger than you. And you're gay. <laughs> Me being bigger than you makes you gay. <laughs> I told your dad already. Everybody knows. <laughs> Cuck boy. Oh my god, I shake them around. <laughs> they love it. <laughs> Shit their pants with happiness. <laughs> Uh, sometimes men will pick me up, very rarely, but usually, I don't know if you guys have ever, ladies, let's pull the room. Have you ever had a guy try to, like, take you to the bedroom? (laughs) (laughs) What's happening? Why are you moving me from here to here? (laughs) Let you in my apartment, like, I know you're gonna fuck me. (laughs) Anyway, so, sometimes a guy will try to do that. And I get to experience a really beautiful moment when he'll engage his legs to pick me up, realize he can't carry my weight, <laughs> and then he has to make a decision. <laughs> am I going to drop this bitch, or am I going to drag her like a rolled up carpet? Like a <laughs> 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 you are big! <laughs> And I am exclusively fucking, there's like half of the men in this room I would easily fuck. It's like Bushwick, musician, kind of wayfish, 120, soaking wet. Oh, right? <laughs> soaking the guitar wet. included, right? <laughs> the car, guitar included. They have the balls to think that they can just deadlift me? Like, what? <laughs> that is male confidence. <laughs> Ruined. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like to fuck Brooklyn guys. They're they're fun. Bit of a mess. Um, the orphan. I'm gonna go into a cum bit. How do we make like, the cum crowd? Five. <laughs> okay, good. So I drank a decent amount of cum in my life. <laughs> I would say, <laughs> if I was going to estimate, I would say over time, like a baseball, <laughs> medium size, <laughs> every woman has had like 
like at least a tablespoon, give or take, right? <laughs> if you've lived a life worth living, you know, there's a little backsplash, like it happens. Here is the thing about drinking cum that I don't like. All of it. <laughs> what gets me is that it's a lie. It's dishonest. Because, because of porn, Guys think that we want to be covered in it like a glazed donut. <laughs> and so when you drink it, you have to act like it's so good. It's like, I'm trying to relay, I'm trying to, so you guys can understand. You ever like, you ever eat someone's cooking who's like a really bad cook and you have to eat it in front of them? And you're like, mmm, this is, is a little bit common this? <laughs> nice. <laughs> Here's the thing. I will garble that cum. I will. I'm a player. I'll blow bubbles with it, whatever you need. To do. In exchange, snaps from the front, girl. <laughs> Dirty. Blow I feel like you want to take me home. You're like, blow bubbles with my cum, bitch. She's getting. I just met you. Buy me a coffee. Whoa. I'm a whore. <laughs> I'll do whatever you're into. If in exchange, men will eat me out on my period. <laughs> right? There's medium reactions. Listen to that, Listen to that shit. Here's the thing. They are, they're equal sexual fluids. You can get AIDS from both of them. And they both taste like rusty bags of trash. <laughs> but for cum. <laughs> This is the first wave of feminism. If you can't get clown face, <laughs> hell yes. I don't know. I wonder why I don't have a boyfriend. Nice. So approachable. I'm so approachable. That was. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, that I man. How, uh, how long? How long did it take to you to get to clown face? That's actually the first time that I said that. Yeah, uh, and I've said it ever since. Yeah, I bet. I believe the correct the full expression? phrase. If you can't get clown face for my enjoyment, then I don't want to know you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where it came from. I have skeletons of all my bits, but I'll, I riff. And your boyfriend's out. Sure. Know. Yeah. Oh, they're all dead. <laughs> um, but the more developed ones, I do say mostly everything word for word, but I do riff a lot because I start to get like real wild and things get out of control and then like crazy shit like that will uh -huh. happen. Uh -huh. So I like to make space for that in my act for sure. Yeah, man. This wow, is well, this is great. First of all. Thank you. I love how filthy this episode is. And yeah. I know. And as a man that. As a filthy man. As a man that. Ate his girlfriend's period pussy last night. Good I for was you! Just, I like Congratulations! I think, I think it's. I think your description of the taste is kind of. Yeah, good. it's nickely. But, but I. I don't think it tastes like trash. I just think it tastes like nickels or pennies. Sure, it's sure. It's just a coppery. Totally. If there's bros in the audience, I'll watch their faces just like dissolve in yeah. terror yes. yeah. at this bit. And I often, they often come up to me afterwards. Like, did you mean that? Like they're trying to argue with me as if it's like a serious point. 
point, I'm like, it's a joke. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I'm not drinking a vase true. of cum. Sure. It's true. It's funny first. Yeah. And it's right. also like kind of a point, yeah. but they're so upset that like someone yeah. would even conceive of this. Gross. Like, yeah. and I'm like, I'm not going to take a diva cup out and like splash <laughs> it in your face. Like you're sa- everyone's safe yeah. here. This is the playground of the mind. Yeah. Here, yeah. <laughs> sure. Sure. I like how you started out with emasculating men oh, with your size how you, sure. you flipped it around mm-hmm. and you acted out the entire sequence of uh-huh. a guy trying to pick you up to show you what a macho man he is and failing yes oh it's great i love emasculating the commitment the, i it sucks that this is just audio because the i mean it trans it transfers you know how like certain physical comics it sure. just works on audio anyway yeah yours does the same yeah, thing i agree but the way you're holding the mic stand when you're like, or they drag me, you know, when you have to drag a rug yeah. or the carpet. Rolled thing? up carpet, yeah. That was, yeah. that's such a good uh, physical descri- analogy for that. And that's just like the way you're holding it. It's like, oh my God, that's so I have so to pretend funny. it's heavier than it is. Yeah. You really yeah. crush that act out. It's Thank you very, very much. very good. I love act outs. More writery comics shit on act outs saying that it's like, it's an easy thing to do. Uh, but it's not. No, it's not. It's no, not it's so at all. Hard. It's also so like vulnerable. Oh, yeah, it's humiliating when an act out is not going uh, well. What does it take uh, to do one? Uh, what do you mean? What does it take to do commitment? One? Yeah, it takes commitment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love doing that bit about being tall because, again, like I said, when I go on a stage, I am tall. I often will wear heels to like make it even more ridiculous, and I like to like break the tension. Like I know, I see what you see. Mm-hmm. I'm very aware. Yeah. And now we're going to talk about it in a way that's fucking ridiculous. And you'll like me afterwards. I think that's a, you bring up a really good point about act outs requiring a certain level of commitment. Mm-hmm. It's so hard mm-hmm. to do an extended act out the first with time. a mic stand and not feel like a fucking asshole. Ah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doing act outs with mic stands is so hack if it doesn't go well. Yeah. When it doesn't go well, mm-hmm. an act out, it just feels... So like you're a party clown, right? And it's it's low. I I think it's lonely. Yes, I've never felt more lonely on stage when an act out doesn't go Ugh, well. You feel like this loser. Yes, like you are naked up there, and everyone is just like, "Fuck you!" I invite you to my one man show. No one yes. wants to attend. Now. Talentless loser. Yeah, you should have never left your full time job. Like. Yeah. It's so bad. I have a moon landing bit that I love dearly. It's mm-hmm. probably my favorite bit. It's the first bit that I ever did where comedians came up to me afterward and they were like, that's next level shit. Mm-hmm. Like they were, they were just like, whoa. That's mm-hmm. exciting. So it was, it was so exciting. And, mm-hmm. um, and I've, I've built on it and built on it and built on it and, and shaped it over the years. And the end of the act out, I'm acting out, taking those first steps mm-hmm. on the moon. Mm-hmm. So at one time, it went really well at a show. Mm-hmm. And then I sat there and it didn't get quite what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And then I just kept going. And I was just like, by the way, when that do- really doesn't work, it feels like I'm on the fucking moon. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> That's how lonely it feels. Yes. Did you say that in the mic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did yeah, they yeah, like yeah. it? Oh, then they exploded with laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, That's like, fucking great. Uh, but the pressure, by the way, the pain of it, of that act out not working as well as I wanted it to. Sure. Force mm-hmm. that out. <laughs> but you acknowledge the pain. Again, it's like you are, they feel uncomfortable. You alleviate them by being like, I know. Yeah. I, it's it's being unself-aware in comedy is like a disease yeah. and everyone <laughs> hates leprosy. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you're doing an act out, that's not hitting, you have to acknowledge it Yeah. or 
double down. Yeah. And sometimes you get them back, but you got to be willing to go into a tunnel of despair so hard if you're going to double down. Uh, Like I have a a bit where I lie on the floor. You were telling me you enjoyed it. And in the beginning, people are like, why is she laying on the floor? What is happening? Is she crazy? But the longer I'm down there, the funnier it gets. Totally. So again, with commitment, there's an act out that I do where I'm talking about being on the beach with someone who's on drugs and they're telling me something really personal and I'm on drugs and I'm, I'm too high to handle it. So I start to do an act out. Like it's me trying to blend in with the beach, like try to be a rock, try to lay on the ground, like anything Mm. to escape the horrible situation that I'm in. By the end of it, I'm laying face down on the ground away from the audience. Um, and at first I would just stay there for a little bit and it would be my closer. So I would only be there for like, I don't know, 10, 15 seconds or something like that. Uh I started doing it in the middle of my set and laying down on the ground for like four or five minutes. It was long when I saw you. uh, (laughs) And doing crowd work, not looking at anybody. Yes. Uh, That was the element that blew my mind. You weren't looking at people and you were asking them questions. Yes. (laughs) So impressed. It was, but it's, I was like, it's so much better that way because you're already there and they're, they're like, when is she going to get up? And then, I forget, I, did you remember people in the crowd and you were yes, like a couple in the front? Yeah, yeah. There was a couple that yeah. like I was talking about doing capoeira, which is like a Brazilian martial Dance art fighting. that I do. Yeah. yeah. I said it an offhand comment and then someone in the audience said that they did it too. Yeah. And so I was like, where's the capoeira person? I started whispering. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a really cool. fun thing. I like to whisper Maybe that was the on stage um, when I'm laying on the ground because it's like it's like I'm in a play. And they're all like, what the fuck is happening? The difference, I think, from what I saw when I first came to New York and saw you at mics and stuff. Mm -hmm. And now I think is so like like all that's great. But Mm -hmm. you also now clearly have the writing with it where you go um, ever eat someone's cooking and it's bad cooking. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, hmm. And then you say, is there a load of cum in this? Sure. That part wouldn't have been there before. Mm -hmm. You would have just stuck with, mmm. Sure. But now you have the writing to say, okay, I'm going to call back to that in just this way and make it fit this thing. And it it really takes it to the next level. I don't sit down and write bits word for word. I've never been able to do that. I'm impressed by people who can do that. I think it's like a crazy level of like autistic joke writing. But because I write on stage... I, when I wake up in the morning, I write, I write for 15 minutes on something and then I do stand up alone for 15 minutes because I want to do it in front of an audience, but because I write on stage and because I require time to like be physical and do things, I'll do that in the privacy of my own home (laughs) to flesh it out. And then by the time I take it to a stage or a mic or whatever, there's like a little bit more there than me just grabbing out of thin air. I used to grab out of thin air a lot, which is like, it's not a very effective way to write. It is my, the, the way that I derive the most pleasure. I love just like discovering things sh- on stage. Yeah. It's yeah. so fun. It feels crazy, but it's also, it, it takes longer to hone things down and, and get to the point of it. So now, so now uh, for this example, mm, is there a little common this where you take them on that left turn mm-hmm. in that, is that something that you came up with sitting down and writing or mm-hmm. were you playing around with it on the mirror? Was that like a riff? Like, do you know? It was a riff yeah. at a Creek mic, okay. but it used to just be, mm, this is so good. Serve it up. Right. 
Um, <laughs> and, uh, it just, yeah, I, I, that particular bit too, uh, had horrible reception for a long time, mm. but I loved it so much. It's a jarring bit. Yeah. Yeah. As most of my bits are. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to really like love them to go through the pain of develop, developing I, I them. I think what's under here too is, um, you're like like shock for its own sake is egregious and Ugh, irritating. I hate it. But but you use shock to make a point. Sure, There's, you're on your way to a point with the shock, mm-hmm. and I think that that that. To me, anyway, that always justifies the shock. It makes the shock enjoyable. You're yes. like, oh, okay. Like, I get yeah. what they're saying. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just used to do more shock than anything because it was like the first, it's also like in the New York City mic circuit, there's so many people that being loud and shocking will get you attention. So I think I'm very much the comedian I am as a result of coming up here. I didn't start in another city, I started here. But within the last few years, I've learned the power of slowing down leaving gaps and silence so that when you're loud, it is more exciting. Mm. Like if you're loud the whole way through, they don't, they are like, it just, it seems like you're out of control, which in a way I was. So now it's like, I've just sort of learned how to steer the car a little bit Controlled, focused insanity. Exactly. It's, um, Berbiglia has like a good analogy for this, which is like it's a it's small, small, big, mm-hmm. and he uses the example of the Nirvana song "Rape Me." Oh, I love it, which has like this crazy rousing chorus, mm-hmm. but like it's like very kind of soft, My and it's friend. like "Rape Me," and oh, it's I love like really it. rousing. I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah, and so it's like, but he takes you there in this like calm way, mm-hmm. and then so he gets you prepared for this, yeah, or surprises you. It also. makes it more important, yes, that I'm exactly. being loud because I was quiet before. Yeah. Like in the come bit, I go, <laughs> I've drank pause a pretty decent amount of cum in my life. I leave a pause because drink is not the word that people use for swat. They use swallowing. Yeah. Right. And so I'm like setting you up to think I'm talking about, I love how highbrow I'm being with this. Like this is rid- what, but no, this is what we do. Sure. I know. Yeah. It's just so funny. Um, uh, and I love it. But so drink is setting them up to believe one thing. But if I just said, I've swallowed a lot of cum in my life, yeah. it would be different. Yep. Who, like, who cares? Okay. Uh, I've drank long pause, total complete misdirect to where you thought this was going. Right. So that's t- uh, timing has been a huge thing for me. Um, and I think timing takes time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, time, it's such a feel thing. Yeah, yeah. it is. Come on, let's talk about sex. All right, this next bit is by Kurt Metzger. It's off of his album White Precious. Mm-hmm. And that was 2016, I believe. It is called I'm Basically Salmon Rushdie. <laughs> oh, just lost my iPad, by the way. I'm going through some things on my. my <laughs> lost my iPad. Like, actually, I lost it when Steve Jobs died like, two years ago. But. I haven't gotten over it. I'm not, I'll be honest with you. The day he died, iPad was gone. I didn't know what was... I had no idea what was going on. At first, I thought it was like an iPad rapture. He <laughs> <laughs> was just taking the, all the iPads. like <laughs> <laughs> heaven. <laughs> he was gone, my iPad's gone. That's all I know. And I started screaming like a little girl. 
It turned out, by the way, I was just drunk and I left it in a cab. That was the actual. <laughs> it wasn't my bad rapture. I was just drunk. But I screamed and screamed like a baby because I lost an eye. He, what, do you, what do you even compare that to? That kind of emotion over an object. This is the best thing I, I can liken it to. It was like I was from Afghanistan and I heard that a Koran, a holy Koran got burned by mistake. Like that, <laughs> like that upset. Like, like I get it now. <laughs> and by the way don't burn a Koran just don't burn anything you're just a, a moron if you just burn things in protest but you burn a Koran someone's going to get killed so don't do that okay I know it's a bit much if someone has to die for that though a little bit right like mm-hmm. I lost an iPad there's a thing called perspective okay I lost uh-huh. a very expensive iPad <laughs> How hard is it to get a new Koran? And I'm not saying ah. it's good or bad or anything like that, okay? I don't want to be killed with a curvy sword after this. Curvy <laughs> 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 I'm saying. Perfect words. Uh-huh. If you need a new Koran, what are the difficulties in making that happen? It's not like every year a new Koran comes out and it's $600, right? That's not your situation, is it? <laughs> And you get one, and you find out there's a much better Koran coming out tomorrow <laughs> with, like, double the virgins and a better camera. Ah. <laughs> you say nothing at the Koran store conveniently. The Koran My store. iPad had a Koran on it. That's how amazing. <laughs> I, it was also a Koran. I lost a Koran and Angry Birds in one shot. <laughs> you understand what I lost? I had my whole day planned out. People are unfair to Muslims uh, also, though, aren't they a little bit? This is a really good example. The Ground Zero Mosque. Do you remember that? Everybody's so mad because they're going to build a mosque just kind of near Ground Zero, and then everybody acted like they were building it on the hole, on the, on the 9-11 hole. They're building a mosque on the Twin Towers with the bones of firemen as bricks. <laughs> the new Freedom Tower is going to be a mosque. Fuck. Uh, yeah, that's what I heard. And I'm like, wow, seriously? That project really got away from us. smokes. <laughs> How did we mess that up that bad? But I didn't get upset. That's fine with me. Build a mosque on the 9-11 hole. I don't give a shit. It was up to me. I would build a mosque on every important building that we have just for protection, basically. (laughs) (laughs) It's not hard to think your way out of a problem. Not be a bigot for five seconds. (laughs) It's a great idea. And, oh, and we should call all of our planes mosques from now on. That's part two. Beautiful, safe sky mosque. That would be a real crime to blow up a sky mosque. Yeah. Fix that whole situation. Right, because you already have to take your, your shoes off, so you're right. Just putting them back on is the whole pain in the ass of that... <laughs> God. Uh, great pick, man. Why did you pick it? Uh, there's like a, a, a kind of commitment to his character mm-hmm. that I, and, and also to his sarcasm, his irony mm-hmm. that I really, really love. You also love 
bits that make points about society. I have noticed with you. Yeah, you love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like a. I do like Bill Hicks. I would assume yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Carlin Moore. Carlin was my yeah. major sure. influence in life. Totally. Yeah. And. He does this. He he's he won't back down from an unlikable point, and he's so smart and funny that you have to join him. Right, and that is a victory. Yeah, it's yeah. so funny to mm-hmm. me when he you take something like the Quran, Quran, Sky Moss. Oh my, right? Yeah. Is that ah! not just the like the the, the fucking zenith of uh-huh. that joke? Like, yeah. like the, oh, it's so good. There mm-hmm. was a point, okay, right before he gets to curvy swords and this is like a special these are mm-hmm. his fans mm-hmm. and it's like it's so getting tense. really quiet uh-huh. and it's like where's he going this like i don't want to get killed with like a curvy sword yeah and then it's just like ha ha, ha. relief and then it's just the features part and he just builds and builds and builds mm-hmm. and then they realize that not only was he not fucking around with muslims he actually is defending their mm-hmm. religion and also just like the safety of muslim people oh really people and like freedom of religion he's building tension because you're scared of where he's going yes. and then he's relieving you with being yeah, so right. funny right uh, so yeah. silly and and also with his twisted logic it makes sense uh-huh. within the framework that he's narrowed it down to yeah for sure uh-huh. i love how he plows through and he's committed and he doesn't back down at all doesn't care about being unlikable in any way no <laughs> i i like how he he builds it he he'll say things like He's like, I scream like a little girl. He takes so much on himself mm-hmm. to to really lower his status. Sure. But yet it's not pandery. No. So I heard a theory about stage presence that I always liked. That is you either are placing yourself as an equal with the audience or you're placing yourself below them or you're placing yourself above them. The three options. Yeah. But no matter what, you're always driving the car. He's making himself be kind of like a crazy, ridiculous fool a little bit, but he's still driving the car the whole time. Yeah. You know? I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like to place myself above the audience. Um, I like to almost scare them a little bit and then relieve them, but I like them to know that I'm in control and... I'm a wild fucking animal and none of you are going to get away from me. <laughs> it's almost not even above. It's like, I am outside of your world. Yeah. And ab- out, like and it, I am above you. Sure. But it's because you couldn't even handle I'm my the king life. of this room right now. I love that. And you are all just here to witness me. Yeah. You know, I'm not like you. Yeah. Some people are like, I'm so like you. Some people are like, I'm worse than you. It better is not the word, but we're not the same. Uh-huh. But he, no matter what your position is with the audience, you have to remain consistent. You don't want to confuse them. Would you say that this is below the audience? It seems like it because he keeps. Yeah. But, it's, but, but yet. I think he's with the audience and he's telling them how they should feel about like household electronics in relation to a religious <laughs> text. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I think he's like, well, think about like if you lost your iPad, like what? And because. The thing about like the double the virgins, it had a Quran in mm-hmm, it. That's mm-hmm, how yeah, much yeah. better it is yeah. than a Yeah, Quran. that was a great point. It's in so it. good. Yeah. 
or, or when he starts off on the, I think people are unfair to Muslims. That's a common theme with his with his uh, comedy. I've noticed mm-hmm. is he'll be like, "This is unfair to this group of yeah. people," and then he plays around with that unfairness. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's he almost has like a child's view mm-hmm. of fair and unfair. He's yeah. re- he's being very reductive though, but that's yes. what makes it work. Right. I hate. When comedians are trying to make a societal point, but they're being all nuanced and monologue I don't see the comedy in this. It's a good point. It's not funny. He said, Can you Kirk- stop describing my comedy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't know if you'd catch on that. Uh, damn it. Um, but like curvy sword and it was a Quran and an iPad. Like he continues to inject the funny in it as mm-hmm. he goes. So it helps the point. But there's nothing does, wrong with making he does it. something else. Here. He does something else here though, that I think <laughs> so this is what requires the commitment where he lets people get a little upset with him. Like where he goes, I don't care if you could build a, a mosque on the nine 11 hole. Like yeah. So he, the way he's saying it, yeah. his, his tone, yeah. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. See mm-hmm. what I care. Like he's, I didn't get upset. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and then he's like, I think they should do it for protection, basically. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, they should build them on their, pro- like, that moment to me, like, where he allows them to, to just think he's a bad guy, hate him mm-hmm. for a minute. Mm-hmm. That's where the commitment comes mm-hmm. in. You don't need commitment to just to say, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be safer if we built a mosque on every right. building for protection? That doesn't take commitment. Mm-hmm. That, but the way that he builds this and then breaks it, yeah. that's where the commitment comes in. Mm-hmm. You need it for tension. You need it for something that's wrong. Ah. You need it for something that feels transgressive. At nine eleven whole God, yeah, that's right. funny. That, that he's like not like the nine eleven site. No whole. whole stupid. He's talking about stupid people. He's writing it right. off, too. and he's and he's kind of talking in a stupid language. And yeah. I think he's doing it on purpose to highlight how fucking dumb we are about yeah. all of this. I know. About that that fervor. Yeah. That 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 you know <gasps> scandal. Yeah, yeah. God, right. people are such fucking morons. But the but the for him to go from that to. <laughs> Sky Mosque. Yeah. God, that's off. where it's the genius to me. Sure, comes in, right? because yeah. they they trust him now. Yeah, he's made them laugh enough that they trust him, and he can go to Sky Mosque. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, you can't start with Sky Mosque. I don't think. Maybe you can. Maybe you can. I don't know. I don't know. He's so brilliant. I yeah. I he's one of the few comedians where I I don't know if you guys find this, but I when I watch comedy now, I'll I'll laugh. I definitely laugh a lot more than maybe a lot of comedians do, but I'll see a bit and I'll like appreciate it. Like, Oh, that's a good bit. Yeah. But I don't often like genuinely I'm losing my mind with laughter at something. And he's one of the comedians that I will be uncontrollably laughing. This next bit is by Eddie Murphy and it's called singers get pussy. And it's from his 1983 (laughs) special delirious. And it's like that, too. When you do TV shows, women be throwing pussy at me on the street like Frisbees. <laughs> and... <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> Take all the pussy. They be like, here comes pussy. Here comes pussy for you. Some pussy for you. Pussy. I be saying, Thank you. I appreciate it. I like all the pussy. Thank you. <laughs> Too much pussy. Pussy be falling out of my pockets and shit. <laughs> Walking down the street, I say, oh, excuse, watch your step. That's mine. <laughs> <laughs> Being a comic, though, ain't like being no singer. The singers get all the pussy. Like the bus boys, they fuck everybody. 
Busboys will fuck anything that moves. Come to my house, the fish stop swimming. They don't play. The singers get pussy. Because you don't have to even be, you don't even have to look good and you can sing and get pussy. Just be interesting. Because this sex symbols getting pussy that's ugly motherfuckers. Because all you have to do is sing. It's something about singing. That's the business. You sing, women go crazy. Because Mick Jagger is an ugly motherfucker. <laughs> with, with big ass lips. Mick Jagger's lips so big, black could be going. You got some big ass lips. <laughs> big lips. But he's singing. And you sing, you get over. Luther Vandross, a big Kentucky Fried Chicken eating motherfucker. <laughs> but he put his shit on the other. Dip, 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 dip. Women go. Ah! <laughs> sing. That's all you got to do is sing. Michael Jackson, who can sing, and is a good-looking guy, but ain't the most masculine fellow in the world. <laughs> Michael's hooks is sensitivity. That's what women be saying. Michael's just so sensitive. <laughs> they eat that shit up. Mike know too. He be using women in concert. I seen Mike walk up to girls on the stage being an audience. He say, is it all right if I come down there and sing to you? <laughs> and women go, ah! Then if you, if you don't scream, Michael get real sensitive and cry on your ass. <laughs> you hear that record? She's out of my life. Michael go, so I've learned that love's not possession. And I've learned love won't win. I've that love needs expression, but I learned to Get me some tissue. <laughs> Jermaine, stop teasing. <laughs> you just sing. I like dudes with masculine voices, man, like a Teddy Pendergrass. Yeah, Teddy just come out, take the lyrics, and go, You got, you got, you got what I need. And scared the bitches into liking him. <laughs> That motherfucker's crazy. Throw your panties on the stage. That's what's happening. I like Elvis Presley. Really, I give credit where credit is due. When Elvis was young, he was a bad motherfucker, boy. Elvis was bad. He was vicious and shit. Sing his ass off. He sang so good, they let him do movies. He couldn't act. They said, fuck it, let him sing all his dialogue. They did. Everything Elvis said, they said, Elvis, we gotta win this race. We gotta win this race. Elvis, want some lemonade? Lemonade. That cool, refreshing drink. Let him sing till it was over, too. Elvis was 42 years old. Remember right before he croaked? He would come out. His stomach was all fat and shit. And his butt be sticking out and shit. Looking like he had the shit he walked on the stage like that.
endless fool I've traveled each And every boy we owe But more What's more than is Feel me You don't even have to be able to talk to sing and get famous. Because James Brown been singing 20 years. What the fuck James is talking about? I don't understand shit James said. Get up. I met him once at Saturday Night Live and walked up and said, James, I love your stuff, James is. And whatever James is saying is some real heavy shit to James. Because it's real <laughs> meaningful shit to James Because at the end of every sentence he ended off with He <laughs> 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 meant that shit that he just said boy. Everything is like, <laughs> You get mad You start putting the needle back saying What the fuck did I just miss <laughs> <laughs> That's a James Brown lyric He wrote that shit <laughs> He's writing a song, so I need a word here. Hey, that's good. <laughs> 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 I get this song going, all the songs sounding just the same. Jamie going, Sabbath up, the bond of people say, I'm a no, or to mine, shit, did it serious? Talking to the band and lose you, right? Say, Sally Bowser. Band said, Yeah. Dear you. Yeah. Sally Bowser. Yeah. Band be going, What the fuck is James talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know we're getting paid. Keep singing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah. Uh, so why'd you pick it? I just think his commitment to just showcasing a talent he has mm-hmm. to sell a bit. I like how it starts. He starts with just like, I fuck a lot now because Mm -hmm. I'm very famous. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to tell you who I am. Sure. This is honestly what my life is like. And I'm going to be kind of a dick about it. And I like, it's a very aggressive way to start, but I feel like it leads him into the rest of his material Hmm. really brilliantly because it allows him to be confident enough to just. To play Elvis. Play Elvis yeah. and just sing a Michael Jackson mm-hmm. ballad. And well. Very yeah. well. Yeah. Also, just like he has like this stage presence that mm-hmm. he's just like so committed to that. I mean, it's basically the reason he became a superstar. I connect with him on clothing too. The the, the, <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the leather, leather suits. Yeah. Yeah. I think well, which by the way takes commitment. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that about him. Yeah. Like, like, there's no mistaking what he is. It's also like at that time, that was very uh, borderline homosexual looking yeah, for a black guy. And to come out confidently in yeah. a 
brightly colored leather suit uh-huh. singing. He's kind of like being a musician a little bit in the yeah. way that he presents himself. It's dynamic. I don't think anyone had seen anything like that yeah. before. Yeah, rock star comedian. Rock star comedian. I would exactly. love to be a rock star comedian. Like that's, that's why cool. I like Kinnison. That's why I, I I don't really relate to Eddie's material, but I do relate to his persona a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's very unapologetic yeah. demeanor. It's, it's very, cool. He made it funny to be sexy. Mm-hmm. The James Brown thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that impressive. to me is the the part in there that's really transcendent. Yes. Because yeah. he keeps going with it. Mm-hmm. He's like it's long. Yeah. He's yeah. riffing without fear or maybe not riffing, but he is yeah, staying right. in it without and his, fear. And his punchlines are just sounds. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. They're just Yow! and when he comes back to them, he, he and he's discrediting a superstar, mm-hmm. right? Right, and uh, An he's icon. doing sort of the classic. Hey, here's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Now watch me do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. That's yeah. very uh, like Brian Regan says that. Like, uh, say what you're going to do. Do what you do. What you just said you'd do. Now maybe mention that you just did it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. It's like a storytelling arc. There's always a comparison made between comedy and jazz, um, and. A lot of it has to do with timing, but something that I heard once was like, if you, if you lose your beat, just make another one. Cause it like doesn't matter. And there's parts of there where he's kind of like going off into nowhere and then he'll go, yeah, and bring him back and sort yeah. of just like uh-huh. he's committing and he's continuing to do it. He's like mumbling half the time, but he'll always re-anchor yeah. and then start again. It's similar to what you said earlier about how you break trust a little bit mm-hmm. and then reestablish it. Yeah. It's like riding a wave, you know? Yeah. they. F- the thing is, they think you're out of control, but you never are. You know? Like, he's meandering there, but he knows what he's doing. He knows where the end is. He knows where he's going to throw a curveball with them. He knows all the moves. It's timing. Yeah. Uh seeming like you're losing control when you're not so that when you are in control, it's funnier and also like being loud and then being silent to balance it out. Um, and this is clearly the opposite of uncommitted comedy. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, this is, he is 100% committed mm-hmm. to carrying this entire audience through this bit. He also does what a lot of rappers do, which I love is they do this kind of word play. Like he's talking about pussy uh, they throwing it at me. I'm walking yeah. down the street and it's falling on the ground. He's turning a physical part of a human into an inanimate object. People do that. Like Biggie does that a lot in rap. But they're extending an idiom. Right? Yeah. Like yes. Throwing pussy at me. Vacation comedy. Yeah. If that makes sense. Totally. And he's. It's. It's also like <laughs> black comedians can talk so much cooler. <laughs> that white people ever will be able to. You uh-huh. know what I mean? It's like it's just a cultural. They do have musicality to them. The way it's like, yeah, it's so fucking cool. Yeah, that you just want to listen to it. The it, difference between a white guy saying pussy in a sentence and a black guy saying pussy is like, it's just the space yeah. between it is crazy. It just feels like rich and fun and yeah. like just like <laughs> rich and fun. Yeah. yeah, and when it a white guy say piss pussy, like it's just like ew, get that out of here. Some, well, I feel like white guys are like, I want to find some pussy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and black guys are like, I got some pussy. There's swag and like swag is sort of um, an undescribable thing. And he has it in in cool. yeah oodles yeah awesome. Yeah. All right, and a huge thanks to our guest Andrea. Oh, thank Allen. you, thank you. We have the Hot Mess Comedy Hour mm-hmm. that is on Twitter. That's at Hot Mess Podcast. Yes, 
and facebook.com forward slash hot mess comedy hour. That's also the same handle on Instagram, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Follow our guest at Andrea Comedy. That's on Twitter, mm -hmm. Andrea Comedy. Facebook is Andrea Comedy. And then on Instagram, she's Andrea underscore Allen 88. Gotta make you work for it. <laughs> follow All me. of this will be in the show notes. Follow me on Instagram if you're going to follow me on anything, because that's the one that I engage with the most. Yep. And we have a few plugs of our own. Yeah. So please, if you're in the New York area, stop by the spot. It is on 12 St. Mark's. We have shows there almost every night now. Yeah. There is wow. uh, the one that I've been producing with Teresa Sheffield. She's amazing. Oh, she's, she's the shit. Uh, isn't she? Mm -hmm. She's so great. Mm -hmm. uh, it was her baby. She started, It was. Uh, it's called Late Night Romp. Mm -hmm. And now Harrison's a part of it. Cool. And we've been doing that now for nine months plus. Pat Holbert. And Pat, Pat Holbert helps out a lot. Oh, for sure. I love Pat. Yeah, the best. And, but Pat has a few of his own shows there as well. This is now, the branding of this is Brick Spot Comedy. Okay. It's a, it's a location that I've been renovating with uh, Tristan Smith now for okay. about the last three months. Cool. And swing by, it's in the back room of V Spot. Mm -hmm. It is, uh, it's pretty cool. And we now have shows there Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Head on down there. You can find Late Night Romp at latenightromp.com. There's a new show we are starting every Monday called Beast Mode. Hell yeah. And you can go to find that on facebook.com forward slash beast mode comedy. And then I also have Special Tonight. Special Tonight is my relatively monthly dinner comedy experience. And cool. that is something I produce with the incredible Sadik Samani. Mm. And that's a that's a very 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 fun experience. We just did a backyard show where it was so cool. It was so much fun. Awesome. Jam packed, sold out. We had about sixty plus people in Ooh. his backyard. We, we I did all the sound and lighting and everything, and Sadik provided the space, and it was it was jamming. Love a good summer New yep. York special dash tonight dot com. Yeah. And uh, that uh, of course I I would be remiss if I did not offer a special thanks to Doug Stanhope to Kurt Metz to Eddie Murphy, and uh, also, as always, um, Salt and Peppa. We know you love our incredible original parody work. Uh, Andrew, that, that, did you, how would you think of it? Yeah, did you did you even recognize no. it? No. Yeah. What is happening right now? They didn't make a remix and like nothing. Yeah, we. Yeah, oh, fun. Oh, let's talk about yeah, sex. that thing. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. They uh, kind of made sort of the original thing. Yeah, but then yeah, I really yeah. Ran sure, with sure. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. You know how I said how black people are better at having <laughs> swag, and when white people try to do it, it's <laughs> awful. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, I don't understand. What the, what's comedy? the reference? What is the you what's singing the a salt and pepper song? Still not getting it. Yeah, no, I think you're getting it. I think you're getting it loud and clear. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I love you, Salt and Pepper. I don't know why, what problem she has with you, mm -hmm. but uh, uh, thank you so much for not yet suing us. We mm -hmm. really appreciate that, and because uh, it's fair use, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. All right. Bye, guys. Bye, Cox. Sets. Let's talk about sets. Let's talk about sets. Let's talk about sets.